I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Cassie Davis. Cassie uses she, her, y'all pronouns. She is a public policy researcher where she seeks to develop effective and equitable policy solutions to solve the current economic inequities in Texas with a specific passion for dismantling white supremacy. Cassie has been in Austin for 10 years and is a self-described quote-unquote full horn as she got her undergrad and graduate degrees from UT Austin. She has worked at the Texas Capitol on state policymaking in Washington, D.C. on federal policymaking and most recently in the nonprofit sector in Austin. Her most recent work has been around the 2020 census in Texas, the economic security of Texas women, and she currently researches the child welfare system. Cassie is on the board of Keep Austin Fed, a food recovery organization. She is a member of Austin DSA, and she is a recent 2020 fellow for New Leaders Council. She has a deep love for Texas, and her favorite things to do around town are trivia, biking, basketball, swimming at Deep Eddy, and visiting state national parks. Big Bend is her favorite. Hello. Thank you for joining today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks, Bree. I'm so excited to be here. Very excited. I've been trying to think how we met each other. We had to have met through NLC. Yeah, I think it was the um, the new fellow get-together at Cherrywood Coffee. Was the That's first right. Time I met you. That yeah. is right. The coffee morning hour. That was so lovely. Yeah, it really was. It Back when we were allowed like, outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, next to people. <laughs> we took, we took yeah. things for granted back then. Ugh. We did. We did. Yeah. I think it was a great like preview of, to, of the like m- amazing people I was going to meet through NLC. So I'm glad that you, of course, you were there. So naturally. <laughs> well, thank you. I know NLC is one of the best things I've ever done. And so you going through it and experiencing that and your whole fellowship class this year were, were just rock stars and I cannot thank y'all enough because I think this is one of the best years we've had and that's a like that's even saying like my class last year don't tell him I told you this but <laughs> I think y'all really like thank you um y'all just really hunkered down and showed your commitment and I, I just I we, the whole board was was so impressed this year so yeah. Yeah. We had to, we really got dealt some lemons and we really made lemonade with Yum them. made the <laughs> best lemonade. The best lemonade I think there's ever been lemonade. Beyonce level lemonade? You know, I didn't want to go that far. I would say a one, one tier down because I mean, it's Fair. Beyonce. Yeah. Let's not get too wild here. I mean, I don't know if she listens. <laughs> I don't want her to feel pressure, you know. <laughs> True. True. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I saw this topic that you brought and I was like, whew. 
as someone who just turned 30 during quarantine and having survived her 20s, and I say that in air quotes because <laughs> they were a wild <laughs> ride, um, I'm excited to talk about surviving your 20s, the highs and lows of it all. Um, but before we jump in, what made you pick this topic? Yeah, well, so I think there was a lot of different topics I wanted to talk about. And I have been realizing a lot of how I don't, I haven't been living in the present. And, and I was thinking, I was like, have I always been like this? What's going on? And I realized like, you know, when I was a teen, like, can't wait to be 20, you know, we're going to live life with no parents, you know, and um, I feel like I've been living life like that. And then also still and like currently like looking back on like decisions I made and just like, oh, like even just like conversations like a week ago, like, oh, I should have said this. And it was just, I realized there's just this uncertainty that you have in your twenties. Um, you're like kind of figuring out or yeah, figuring out like who you are. And if you like grew up like me and like Shreveport, Louisiana, um, and also with like parents that, you know, don't really don't really aren't very political active or, you know, feel like they have voices, um, you know, having to like reparent yourself of like, a bit, there's a lot of white dominant norms that were taught for me by my parents because of they were conditioned with them. And so like just realizing like this is such a transformative decade and I knew it was your birthday back in March. And so I thought it would be a good reflection. And as someone who's approaching, I'm 27. So still got three more years in here, but um, you know, I just thought it might be good to reflect on where we are and be present today. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Um, I always think about my aunt Kathy when I turned 2021, she reminded me that your twenties are for dating people you shouldn't date, quitting jobs that you hate and traveling. Like those are the three rules she gave me in, in my twenties. And I'm really grateful because like I have never kept a job more than two years in my 20s. And it was just like really nice to be able to to roam around and really decide what I liked and didn't like. And like, you know, moving to Texas and taking that road trip when I moved here and, you know, taking a road trip when I went to Colorado two years ago by myself and just like stayed with some friends, but drove out there and did a solo road trip. And, you know, I, my 20s were not easy. They were, they were really heavy between, you know, losing a couple of friends and some family and just, you know, the the things we go through in our 20s, but, you know, that sort of air of like, you're still so young. And then you turn 30, you're like, am I still, you're still young, but you're not in, in like, you're now in like a new decade. So it's like a weird <laughs> tutoring now. Um, I've learned that I'm not cool. Like that, like the kids don't think I'm cool anymore. And that's totally fine. That's, I'm not for them. Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's dragging us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it. So I didn't want to work. Started working at Out Youth, and I was twenty eight when I started there. Twenty seven, twenty eight, and like chaperoning school dances and just being like, I'm. I know I'm not cool because I don't know any of these dances. I hate Snapchat. I don't. I've never been on TikTok. Like <laughs> some things were just like are not for me, and I get that, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much here I want to unpack for sure, and so. Just like the whole like living in the present is like the number one thing I think is so right is, you know, you have these 10 years 
and I would even say like nine because even though you turn 20 you're like it's still like what there's not a real big deal around turning 20 once you turn 21 and you can like Mm -hmm. drink and get into like all the places you want to get into and then you turn 25 you can finally rent a car (laughs) um I think you know as you start to have like these bigger milestones in your 20s and then you're kind of out of this like you start outgrowing some friends because you either go off to school or you move away or you take new jobs. So, I mean, as I sit here and move, I'm like, your 20s are like very fluid. <laughs> like there's so yeah. much change. And I feel like no one gives you permission just to like accept the change and just like not try to go against the wave. Like you don't, I, I wish someone would have told me you don't have to follow the rules in your 20s. Same. I feel like I was just talking to a friend I recorded with earlier. Um, we were talking about relationships. And like now that I'm 30 and being single for so long, like I've never had a relationship last more than six months. And so with, with me now turning 30 and hearing a lot of people like society pressuring me like to get in a relationship and get married and have kids. And I'm just like, I'm fine. <laughs> I will one day be a parent like either through adoption or if I you know end up getting pregnant maybe I'll fall in love but like I'm also like this year turning 30 I was like I don't want to date in 2020 like I said this back in January and just really like you know going to into this new decade of what do I really want because like my 20s your girl as as they say in insecure she had her rotation you know she had (laughs) her time she was wild out here in these streets (laughs) responsibly always use protection obviously (laughs) Get tested frequently. There's no shame in it. There's no slut shaming. Own your sexuality. You're beautiful and everyone should want you. But mm-hmm. I also want that for people too. Like there's so much shame around sex, which is a whole different podcast episode. Um, but yeah, I just was like, I should, I would, I would love three hours to speak. What have, what have I learned? <laughs> what do I want to tell all the kids as, as they go into 30? But yeah, I mean, yeah. my dad always says, once you turn 27, just start rounding up. So you're 30 already. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I was at a protest um, last night, actually. And um, they were like, move like water. And for someone who's a type A planner like me, um, I don't think I've ever been able to move like water. And I like thought about that a little bit more. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, especially like in a protest contest where you like don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> last night, we did not know what was going on. Um, and so yeah, I think that there was a set plan that I thought I had to follow. And like, you can see this with my going straight from undergrad into grad school <laughs> life. Um, that was when I was like, I have to do this. And like, by the time I got done with my like dual degree master's, which, so it's three years, so two, but you get two degrees, which is cool. But oh my gosh, that just like killed me by the end of the that third year. And I was just so burnt out. And then you have to get a job, you know, like that's the next thing you have to get a job. Um, and so really like, I don't, I never regret anything, but I just like wish I had had more moments to reset because I think when I did take a pause in my twenties to like reset and sometimes they were like physically forced. (laughs) Like I had a major surgery to remove like a huge tumor that was like baffling in size and, you know, was on my ass, like in bed for like a month and had to like deal with my feelings and deal with like what I want to do and why I'm doing it. Um, So sometimes like life is like, Hey, no, you need to like 
<laughs> chill out, <laughs> um, which I think is helpful, but I wish that I could. Um, so this is something I do with my partner, which I feel like we haven't been in the best practice of it doing it lately, but it's like check-ins. And I think it's so important to like check in with yourself, um, not just like your significant other or like friends, but like literally sit down and be like, okay, am I getting what I need out of what I'm currently doing? How am I like falling short and how am I like overdoing it? Something that really helped me in my twenties was a human design reading, which I put in the show notes. Um, and so this is like my friend Lexi does it. And I was very like, Hey, let's just do this. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. It's like the time of time you were born, where you were born. Um, so it's very related to like astrological where the world was when you were born, because the philosophy is that all this energy was like first into you at that, that moment. And so it's a chart reading of that. And it like really, it really helped me like get through a really hard time last year and realizing like how my energy works and how, why it hasn't been working well with like other people hmm. in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into it. It's very interesting. I can do Cliff Notes version. Uh, I would love it. Also, everyone who's listening, get your full chart done. You just need to know what time you were born, where you were born. I think that's everything. Time, time, yeah. date, city. That's all you need. That's it. And if your parents yeah. don't know what time you are, you can literally request your birth certificate, but everyone should get their full chart. And then you can upload it for free into co-star so i'll link that in the show notes because it's really important but yes i want to hear about this because yeah. now i'm like oh my gosh tell me everything yeah yeah so this is super interesting so um i'm what so there's three different types of or maybe four types of people i can definitely connect you with lexi because you all should you should maybe get like your reading done like as a podcast i'm about to like ask if <laughs> lexi wants to come on the show too because yeah yeah no she's amazing <laughs> she's so good um so i'm a projector so um, my chart has a lot of open open energy spaces throughout my body, um, which is really about 70% of po the population is actually projectors, meaning that we don't create any of our own energy. We just take in others. So I'm a projector who takes in other people's energy and amplifies it, which is super cool and fun, right? But it is super exhausting. And if you... If I hold on to someone's energy that is not mine or that is toxic, it's like really debilitating. Mm -hmm. And like it, that was really telling for me of what ha was happening in my old job. Cause like former CEO have a lot of negative toxic energy that I was just like holding on to. And my friend, my friend who did my reading pointed out, she's like, I don't think that's your energy. <laughs> I think that's someone else's. So I'm a projector. Um, I think that was super helpful. And projectors need a lot of rest, especially like alone rest time. Um, so like having my partner nap with me, like, is not always like the best thing. Um, I try to go to bed before him so that, um, I can, I sleep way better when I go to bed before him. Cause I just am able to recharge and don't have anyone else's energy on me. And then one of the big things that came out of the reading was I have what's called the cross of Eden. So when I was in the womb, it was like paradise. It was like a happy place. It, I felt the most secure and safe that I ever felt in my whole life. Um, and so I'm always chasing, how do I get back to that place? And um, some people do that um, through, um, you know, different uh, addictive uses. Um, some people do that in other ways. Um, I think mine is work. <laughs> um, I try to find that in like my worth in work and like school and things like that, like those types of things. So 
Um, that was really helpful for me because I could take a step back, especially at my job where I was like giving, you know, 120% and feeling uh, very unvalued. Um, and so that was helpful to know that, okay, so the coolest thing about this is you're searching for this, this light, this like paradise. And she, this is like when I started crying when she told me, but she was like, I just need you to know that it's like already inside you. Like you were born with that light. Like it's in you. You don't need to search for it. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. Only crying and in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I told my mom about this actually, and she was like, I felt so happy like when you were in my body. She was like, I just remember feeling like a lot of love and joy, and like she's like, I didn't want you to come out. And I was like, this is so interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, not like super like attuned to all of these types of things. So having it read to me as someone who's super novice and all of this was, I think, really just eye opening. Um, and it's really helped me um, know that like, like I, we have some friends like, you know, that can do go, go, go. And they're probably generators, which is the other type of that you can be where you just create your own energy and stuff. And I can't do that. So it's really helpful for me to know like, hey, I just, I can't, I'm sorry, I need to say no. Um, and so I've been practicing that a lot more, which I think has been helpful for protecting my energy so that I can be my best self when I'm around folks yeah. instead of like sassy, like um, <laughs> sometimes maybe passive aggressive Cassie when she's tired, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, for me, like the point about protecting your own energy and following the plan, you mentioned before, those two are like, blowing my mind right now. Um, so I moved to Texas in 2016. I had just turned 26 and it was my first time living away from Connecticut. Like was born and raised in Connecticut, went to college in Connecticut. And then, you know, I was introduced to the Austin life and I moved here. <laughs> and for me, like that whole follow the plan thing is like in Connecticut, it's like this really cute New England state. And I grew up in a really cute town and, you know, having friends from like all different cities all across Connecticut. And like the plan there is like you grow up, you go to college, you get a degree, you fall in love, you get married, you buy a house, <laughs> you have kids, and then the cycle starts all over again. And I'm just like, I don't, this isn't, no. Like, like just some, so much of my body was just like, no. Like, and for me, it, it was just like, I like settling down at 20, like 25, 26. I'm like, this isn't for me. Like a lot of my friends like still like aspire to be married and I aspire to like have a career and things that I want to do. And, you know, yes, I want to have like be a mom. But I was just telling friends, I'm like, listen, knowing me, I'll have a kid and just strap that kid to my chest and we'll be out protesting. Like, that's very much the vibe I feel for myself. Or like, I'll be like publicly speaking with my kid in a stroller. Like, I don't think like having a kid means you have to slow down. And I think that's like such a weird dichotomy for people. Or like, you don't become a woman until like you're married or have a kid. And I'm just very much like, no, I'm pretty sure like I'm a woman now. I'm, like doing a lot of like badass stuff out here. But yeah, like, you know, in my 20s, really feeling like that pressure to like have things figured out. And I'm like, I am literally just not like allowed to drink. So I literally don't know what it means to be an adult. And like, I didn't really like know what adulting was and like until I moved to Texas. And like, I had been living on my own for a while with roommates. And even so, if like we just lived like sometimes in a party house, like I would go to work and like do like the performative adulting of like going to work, getting work done, doing what I was supposed to do there, like going out with friends. But like, it wasn't like, I didn't like have it together until it's probably like, 28 
29 of like finally being like, this is who I am. This is what I want. These are the goals I have. I was listening to something the other day of like us expecting, you know, literal kids who just turned 18 to decide what they want to do the rest of their life when they go to college is so much pressure and unrealistic. Because my original major was business. And then I took accounting and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I hate numbers. And like, I fell into sociology, thankfully. But like, you know, we expect these kids to like take out all these loans and have so much debt the rest of their lives. And some of them don't either don't finish or finish and then like can't get a job or, you know, that we, we, are, we are so not set up for success. And then there's also the other side of like, if you don't go to college, you're a loser. And I'm like, no, like school's not for everyone. And so, you know, hearing all that of like the societal pressure to just like keep us all in line like cattle is like mm-hmm. what I have unlearned in my 20s. And I'm so grateful for that because now I'm like really solid in who I am as a person. And I think in your 20s, like you make like a lot of mistakes. It's totally fine. They don't define you. Although like there are some like murder and, you know, big, big crimes that I'm sorry, those are going to affect you for a long time. But I mean, like little mistakes we make, like, again, not condoning drinking and driving, but we all know people who have done it and, you know, done things they shouldn't have done, you know, between like drug use and, you know, sleeping around again, not slut shaming, just saying it. But yeah, like, you know, those things like where you like having those growing pains of trying to figure out who you are and like that being okay. Like, yeah, I just feel like I I feel like if someone would have said to me, it is okay to not have it all figured out. It is okay to like leave toxic work environments. Like luckily for me, like my aunt being like, you can leave jobs. But for me learning, I can leave toxic situations and not just like the job itself. Like you can love your work, but if you're working with toxic people, that's also a reason to also leave that. Yeah, I think that's a really, um, (laughs) it's been like the big theme of 2019 and 2020 for like my personal journey. Um, I think uh, when I started my job, I thought it was going to, I was extremely naive. And so I spent most of my 20s obviously in school. (laughs) Um, So I come out and I get my first job and I'm like, I'm going to work here forever because there's like other policy analysts who work here forever. Like that's going to be me. Like, I'm going to kick ass in this fellowship, get hired, stay there forever. And I mean, the work was, I love it. And I know that it's exactly what I should be doing. It just, oh my gosh, it took me, I think I realized maybe four months in that it was not right, that there was like really toxic leadership, um, very much rooted in white supremacy, um, just white dominant norms. So like, it, oh, it was so bad. And I kind of, uh, you know, when you just like repress those, because you're like, no, 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 it's just like all jobs, you know, like all jobs mm-hmm. have like, you know, weird, you know, like, like, no, this is just how things work. I was like in denial for a really long time and trying to make it work. And then um, was very much like exploited for my work. Um, I did a lot of work on the 2020 census, but also was doing three research projects at the same time. So I actually, at the end of 2019, had accumulated the cap that we could get of 80 comp hours. So I worked an extra two weeks somehow in a year. Um, it was really, and I, so I was burnt out. And it wasn't until um, the nonprofit I was at, we unionized it. Um, a lot of it had to do with um, me and a colleague uh, who, uh, well, we had some other colleagues who really organized it, but I think a lot of it, it was sharing our stories and our experiences of what 
happened to us um, that really helped convince other people that, you know, something wasn't right here and that we like need to protect what we have and also be better. And it sucks that people, it took, like, it took us telling them a couple times about like, and crying in front of them a couple times to get them to understand just how debilitating working in a toxic environment was. Um, the mental health issues I had to undergo last year and just, it, it was just wild how much it just took over my life. Like I can always like think about that mean girl scene where she's like, it was like word vomit. And like, there was a point where I just realized like, I'm glad we're going to unionize this place. I don't think that's going to really change much because it's a culture problem. So unless leadership changes, it's nothing's going to change. And I love my partner and I could tell he was just like, I can't come home to you just like crying every day. It was like almost every day, at least weekly that I was, he would come home and I'm just like in a ball crying. Yeah. I just like finally realized like, wait, I don't have to stay here. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. What a freeing (laughs) thing to think about. Light bulb. I think what really pushed me to action was realizing that they weren't going to give me a job and they were just playing with me. Mm. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I just, I just like built a whole project that brought in like almost half a million dollars for you in foundation grants and, and also really badass for research reports. So I, yeah, no, I, can't like, do this I don't else. need this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, I tell people, I've talked to a lot of people who have been going through similar toxic work experiences and, you know, I didn't have a savings when I made this decision. Um, I still like have a baby savings. So it was very adamant. I had to find a new job. And then also like just thinking about finding a job is like a lot of work. And so for people, you know, it's really easy to tell someone like, like I had a lot of friends for like the last year um, who I don't really know, like are my friends right like anymore after that experience? Cause mm-hmm. you kind of realize like who's there for you and who's like not. But a lot of these people would be like, well, I would just quit. I just quit right now. And I was like, I, that sounds I great, know. but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have rent and bill. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't have a savings. Like I can't quit. <laughs> um, and so, which like, I feel like for them comes from such a place of privilege. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'd have to move home and there my parents would definitely make me pay rent because <laughs> they're just hardcore. Right. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to drop out of college my freshman year and um, my mom sent me an Excel spreadsheet of the expenses I had occurred for just like the first semester and was like, this is what you have to pay back just so you know, if you come home. And I was like, I'm good. Yeah, I'll I'll push through. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh my God. It's some tough love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it took me obviously like nine months to like actually finally like put pen to a paper and like start doing those cover letters and resumes. Um yeah. I was really I don't fortunate. think people understand like finding a job is a job. Like it is so much energy to tweak your resume, update all your things, put it on LinkedIn. Like there's a whole process to it. So I yeah, I'm I get searching it. for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I would I I feel like I come to especially like the public policy research work with like a very big intention of like my work has to do impact that kind of comes back to that cross of Eden. Like I like want to do impactful work. Mm. And I know that that isn't every job, but that is what I was looking for. And like, thankfully I like 
some like literally I was in the final process for one job the um one of the weeks and in a week had another job offer um from this other organization that I currently work at um that's amazing and it was like literally exactly what I was looking for and it was so weird how it happened a woman that I talked to via email about a different job thought of me and referred me and I was like So, yeah, I I think, like, you know, a lot of that support that was, like, from a random stranger almost, um, like, I definitely try to put that energy back for other folks because I know that, I know some of us Trying to pay it forward. Yeah, yeah, we work in, you know, currently, like, the way that work is laid out is so rooted in white dominant norms. And so I can't imagine how other um, people of color are experiencing these spaces because they're, you either have to self-preserve and like, you know, like laugh at, you know, being called like, oh, this is the great Latina Cassie, you know, like shitty things like that. Or you have, or you can stand up and say something and that doesn't always go over well (laughs) with leadership that is predominantly white. And um, I think also that is a little fragile about being called out. So it's, speaking to my soul out here friend um (laughs) yeah i mean i was recently furloughed back in may and weirdly like so many beautiful things have been happening i mean but like i that's another thing i i learned in my 20s is like learning to get out of your own way and that when shit starts to hit the fan it's because you should have left it a long time ago like i was let go from a job on a Monday, applied to another job that next day, Tuesday, interview Wednesday, second interview Thursday, got a job offer Friday, and started the following Monday at a new job. And it was a job I had wanted for a long time. Um, and then like with this, like recently got furloughed from this job. And in the time that I got let go, I have like now been able to like, my platform has really grown. And, you know, I did a, I did a panel online that has like over 20,000 views now and you know getting asked to do paid speaking engagements online and do some consulting and having those contracts come in and these are things I've been wanting to do for a long time but it was like I don't have the time to work on a business plan I don't have the time to do this because of my, I, I was doing so much for a job that I hated trying to make it work and so like now just learning looking back now is like I knew that it wasn't right but I was so afraid like you're saying like you can't just leave a job if you don't have savings right like you know being able to be let go from that last job they like paid me out for two weeks and now I've been I've been able to collect unemployment until I find a new job um and like now we're doing these paid speaking engagements you know they're paying me and I'm keeping track of like the taxes and stuff I have to pay later but you know until I like figure out what that looks like for my life I was can I do this full-time who knows um but yeah like there there are so many plans you had in life and I want to tell people like you can have plans and I mean if you're religious it always says tell God your plans so like he can laugh at you like yeah. <laughs> oh you do not know what is going to happen and I think that's where some of the best things have happened like that's how I've met some of the most fantastic people that's how I've sat on so many different boards and you know all these different experiences I've been able to have because I just like was like well we'll see what happens and just like following wherever the flow takes me um so yeah I mean definitely coming from like that tough love of like you like you were saying with your parents like if you came home like my dad and I didn't talk for a lot of like eight nine years we had no communication at all um so with me like the tough love there was like I have to take care of myself and 
that's what my 20s really taught me. And I mean, I'm not saying like people to go to like traumatic experiences of not talking to your parents. I'm just saying if something were to happen tomorrow, can you take care of yourself? Do you have income? Do you have, you know, a backup plan to like surf, even like couch surf or stay with a family friend or, you know, just something in case something were to happen? You, you have some sort of plan in place. And I think that's what like living in my living through and surviving my 20s taught me is you should always have some sort of plan or like you should have at least two or three people who you know you can call in an emergency in a pinch. Um, and it's not like even like a medical emergency, just like life happens. Like you have a breakup like that. Also brings me to a good point of like, not everyone deserves the honor of being your friend. And the word friend is used so loosely now. And I think it's because of social media, like Facebook friends. And like you have complete strangers who you've never even met who like want to connect with you. And so I've been telling people, I know a lot of people. I don't have a lot of friends. And that's not to be rude. It's just there are levels to friendship, right? Like you have to have known that, like for me, it's like not even how long I've known you, but like, can I trust you? If something were to happen, could I call you? And, you know, it's not to like say that they can't see me as a friend. It's just, I, you know, our understandings are different. And so, you know, when I use the word friend, I still use it in like that loose context of like, that's how I know someone. Um, But like my close, close people, I guess that's a better word. Like I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends, but I'm not close with a lot of people might be a better way of putting it. But yeah, that's one of the major things I learned in my twenties is that like, not everyone deserves the honor of being your friend. Um, No, I 100% agree. I actually have been talking to friends a lot or like one of my really close friends from my old job like she's like my sister um she we talked because I have been realizing a lot of what I thought were like forever friendships type the things especially mm-hmm. like childhood ones that I'm just like feeling unsupported and like it's not like art and I've re- I, was, I just felt really unsupported and really like just alone in it and it's weird to feel alone in a friendship. Um, and we were talking about it and we realized that like some people have different definitions of friend, of what a friend is, mm-hmm. like the definition for them is different. Um, and so like, for me, it's like, I don't have siblings. So like friends are <laughs> like family. And like, I assume that, you know, you got my back, like, and I, I give a lot in any relationship, like work, obviously, <laughs> burning out. Um, my partner, like, you know, friendships, like I give a lot. And so I can always tell when it's not really a friend if I feel like I'm giving so much and getting so little back. Um, and I, I'm from, you know, Shreveport, Louisiana, like in the South. We tell you all, all our business. Like that is just <laughs> like I will I'll meet random people like just like at the coffee shop and like talk to them the whole time about my whole life story. Um and with like people I consider friends, like you know, I I give a lot of that information and I'm very open and I, I you know, want to talk about it. Um I want to get to the bottom of it, those types of things. Um, and I realize there's some folks that have been in my life that when I ask them, like, you know, you don't, you know, how are you doing? You know, like, are you doing okay? Like, and they have this like wall up. And I think it's, I don't know, it's been interesting because it's almost like they'll stop talking about whatever deep they were talking about when I get there. And then mm. and it really confuses me because I'm like, aren't, I thought we were a friend, like true friends. And so like, I just told you some really like, like personal details. Um, and I don't know, it's like trusting people with like what you're going through and, and like knowing that they have your back. Um, and so like my friend from my former place, um, who's like my sister, like, oh my gosh, like I, 
I think we've gone through something very traumatic which really brought us together but um oh my gosh every time we get together I am just like truth truth <laughs> we just like did it and so like that's that's what I think I'm realizing like that's what I want in a friend like and I think before it was a lot about quantity over you know quality and so but it's like a it's a scary thing to confront especially with childhood friends where you're like how do I like, dude, I've been talking to my therapist a lot about it. I'm like, I don't feel supported by this person. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, we're never taught, like, how to break up with a friend, air quotes, yeah. right? Like, I have a really close friend. His name's Freddie. I have known Freddie since I was four. I'm 30. That is 26 years. Or, like, my best friend, John, I've known since I was 12. I'm, that's 18 years, math. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, having those, like, it's like a relationship. You have to be willing to make it work. But then also, like, realizing like you're going to move they're going to move their lives are going to change things are going to happen that you don't even know about till like later like freddie's getting married this year and i have never met his wife like i'll meet her at their wedding because i live here and they live in new york right and so like we're face like we're facebook and instagram friends me and his fiance and like we've had like surface level conversations but for me it is so weird to like have this really significant person in my life and they have another significant person but like not have that connection. So I totally get what you're saying of like how how disconnected it can feel sometimes trying to make things work, but life. <laughs> like that's all I can say sometimes. Like, oh God. Yeah. And going through like friend breakups, like are it's it's so horrible. <laughs> like I thought that like relationship, like intimate relationship, like breakups were awful but uh I had I think it was last year so it's like on top of all like crazy work life um stuff like I had a friend from childhood who I was like trying to plan a girls weekend with like my girls from home and I was like let's go to New Orleans it'll be really fun and that's where this person lives and um I get like a side text you never want to get a side text (laughs) um (laughs) and I get the side text that was like hey two years ago when you were here, like you said some shitty stuff about my friends and made me feel uncomfortable. Um, and you know, like, I just like, you know, don't really want to be around you. Like all, you know, just like very like truthful things that happened two years before. And it was just like, you know, I, I totally respected and I apologized for whatever I had done. Um, you know, left the door open to like, if you want to talk about this more, I am so happy to talk to you about it. Um, you know, if, if you don't, like, I understand, like, it just, it was so hard to, and I, my like other friends in the group were like, why would you just let that good relationship go? Like, why didn't you try harder and put the onus back on me? Yeah. And I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> like it was a confused, the most confusing breakup ever. <laughs> right. Like, what yeah. do you do? There's like, I don't want to force someone to be my friend that doesn't want to be. Right. And there's only, like, so much conversation you can have. Because, I mean, also, like, they are totally valid in being like, I don't want to talk to you ever again. And you're like, okay, respect your boundary. Mm-hmm. But then also it's like, well, why didn't you try harder? I'm like, they set the boundary. Like, I'm being respectful. So, ugh, complicated. 20, the, your 20s are complicated. <laughs> You will survive them. You will get through them. You will be a better person because you did. Um, I would say I wish someone would have taught me, like, know who you are first. Like, learn you. And that's both, like, you as a person. Like, the last couple of years, I've been asking myself, who am I? Like, not in connection to my work or 
to people I know, but me, who am I? Right. And not like, I'm a good friend. I'm a good coworker. No, who are you? Like, and I think that's a really hard question for people to ask. Like, like I always say like, I'm an activist, a speaker and blah, blah, but I'm still like, that's like performance air quotes that I do like who am I and like I am sensitive I am like sorry I say start with like the adjectives that describe you and like the things you do and do not like and you know what your real goals are and like where like what are your um deal breakers and like really doing that work to to know who you are and also if you can afford therapy go to therapy such a beautiful thing that I wish everyone could afford because it's so important but yeah that's another that's that's some of my like survive your 20s advice therapy is like so key I think um I the first time I was ever told that I was a Latina in a good way I was 25 like the first time in my life was then and it was in a therapist's office at UT's like emergency like mental health like clinic because I had a nervous breakdown and like I love Sebastian so much. Like, if Sebastian, if you hear this, like, I love you. Um, but he, like, literally was just like, well, you're a powerful, like, um, at, like, amazing Latina. And, like, you know, you're carrying all this. And I was like, wait, what'd you say? Huh? Say that again? <laughs> <laughs> Run and that by me one more time. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time that I had ever been, like, felt that way in a good way, like, been told that that word in a good way I mean even that word like I mean growing up it was a lot of like derogatory terms um because I I really was I I think now Shreveport has a bit more um Latinx population but when I was growing up there like I was really the only one and so people had never seen anyone like me would always ask me what I was um you know those types of things and um you know I wasn't I wasn't like a approved for like people's to be friends with mm. um and I also wasn't approved like for people to date um like literally like had like like teenage girls who would tell like the moms that like I was from a bad family or like comment on like how my nose is large um yeah it was like insane yeah it was so insane growing up there um yeah ah, man and so there's just like a lot of trauma, I think, that came with that. And then coming to UT um, from a Southern culture, you know, like you're supposed to do a sorority and, you know, all this stuff. And, and because, you know, that's the plan that I was, you know, ingrained with, I mm-hmm. like did it and was like, really, I mean, for the most, until like this, my junior year of college, I was pretty miserable. And then I finally found my footing. Um, but I think I... I tied it a lot to a, a guy I was dating and um, like went to, I don't, won't regret anything because like I want to go see a bunch of fish shows and Grateful Dead shows and like loved traveling the U.S. to do that. Um, but my identity was in him and his friends and then realized like when we broke up, like then that's also when the tumor hit, which was like, honestly, I think just meant to all work out just like whoa what is like who am I I don't right. know and, and then that's led to the nervous <laughs> breakdown and yeah and just so it's like a lot of like I think breaking it like everything falling apart and you just like putting it back together but like how it's supposed to be and you just keep trying like it's kind of like you have some clay and you're like oh I'm gonna make this like really great pot and then you're like oh 
no. reinvention. Twenties <laughs> are about reinvention. Ah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I didn't vote until 2014 for the first time for like Wendy Davis. I think like that was the first time I ever voted was in 2014 because like I didn't believe in the government really because like my dad's military and when you get to college and you realize like, oh, we're just in a war because of oil um, and people are dying and we're, yeah. And we're just like imposing our white dominant, white supremacy on a culture that like does not need that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like I was so not about voting, which is so crazy that I work in public policy research now and like am so involved in like civics like twenty twenty census and voting. You are you are allowed to grow and change too, right? Like I think we are again put into that bubble of falling in line, if you will, of just like this is who you are, this is who I've always or or how people always want us to be or how they expect us to be. So yeah, I love that like <laughs> you never voting to now like we we gotta do everything you could possibly can. Register everyone to vote. So yeah, I mean, I would think back like the, I mean, I voted for Obama. That was the first president I could vote for. And I was so honored for that. I love you, Barry, forever. But now like being so into local politics, like that's my soapbox at all times, like being paying such attention to like Supreme Court rulings and, you know, everything from Black Lives Matter to LGBT to reproductive LGBTQIA. Let me say the whole thing. Reproductive justice. Um, you know, just all rights for all the people, refugee stuff, like all of these things that matter, but, you know, really paying attention to how politics and this stuff is really kept from the public eye or like the fact that like a lot of hearings happening during the day when people are at work, like so many ways to like keep the public from actually knowing what's going on. So that's also a thing too, like you can change and have different interests. And, you know, if you weren't interested before, it's okay to be interested now and grow and change and outgrow things that no longer serve you so yeah yeah I think um I think like the biggest thing that like I feel like a call to action for everyone right now is like really the term solidarity Mm. and I think that that is not something that is natural to a lot of people because Mm -hmm. we are so um thought to have like this individualized American dream um and just look out for you like you know whatever like make sure your shit is like protected um like your house value is like protect you know like like my dad says shit like that and it's like really fucked up (laughs) to be really frank um and I mean even in my nonprofit, like trying to get through people's head what solidarity really means is really hard and so like when you go into like just the world into the abyss like and try to tell like I need you to literally care about this person over here as much as you do you mm-hmm. <laughs> like like I need you to fight for them as well it's like it's such a hard concept I think for some folks um but it is so necessary right now into really like doing good progressive policy that like that really does help like minimize inequities and like give people access to things that they need. I was on a panel talking about SNAP and SNAP in the COVID time. And um, my friend who works like at a state agency was talking about like, we lift the work requirements. Like, aren't we great? Like no work requirements right now because of COVID. And I just had to sit there and I was like, no, that's not Mm -hmm. okay. Like there shouldn't be work requirements anyway. Ever, yes. Because if you were really thinking about the other, like other people and fighting for them, you wouldn't have that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think for me, like solidarity is like really big and 
that is something I think I strive to like commit to and recommit to like every single day because it is such a practice you know but I mean some for I feel like for me I always like knew like that's really weird I don't understand why you know my friends are being treated this way but these other friends are not being treated this way this you know like there's like these moments in your life like I was at a Mardi Gras parade when I was like in high school and this kid whose dad's like a financial banker was mouthing off to police this white guy mouthing off to police like drunk we're underage He's all in their faces, calling them whatever he wants. And my friend, who is a black man, comes up and was like trying to like get in, like get him to back off. And the police like took him in and booked him in jail and not the other dude. And like it was so wild. It like there's just these moments where I'm just like, that didn't make any sense at all. So I think uh, yeah, I think solidarity is super key right now because like we should be fighting for people that we don't even know always. I think that is a great place to wrap. (laughs) I will be sure to link everything that you mentioned, your Instagram, all of the things, anything you want to shout out? Like I think starting to pay attention to local um, government is like super key. Uh, I notoriously am like a lover of state policy, which will be coming up in 2021 and is likely going to be wild. But I am really realizing just like how important it is to be involved in the, at the city level as well. Um, so that also, if you want to unionize your nonprofit, um, highly recommend it. Um, NPEU is really great and it has a really um, growing and robust network now of nonprofits across the nation that are unionizing. Get your human design reading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that those are some of my main things. Um, as you know, I like to end every show with a palate cleanser, high note, let's leave happy question. What is the best advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of advice you would give your younger self? Yeah, um, so I think, I think I heard two pieces of advice in my 20s that I'm always constantly um, balancing against each other. And that's one, protecting my peace. And then two, speaking your truth, even when your voice shakes. Mm. And it's just a constant balance of that. Those two pieces of advice. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.